So hello, everyone. Um, it's the first ever episode of A Good Story Starts With, and I have Jai, a friend of mine from Christchurch, joining us today. Hi, Jai. Hello. Um, so, Jai, I know you, but would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Jairus Michael Robb, if you want my full name. Um, uh, or Jai, if that's a little bit easier for everyone to say. And um, you're in Christchurch. What are you doing in Christchurch? What are you up to? Yeah, um, I've been in Christchurch um, in New Zealand for almost 10 years. 10 years next year, which will be the longest time I've stayed in one place ever. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, which is, um, I don't know how I feel about that. I think I'm starting to feel okay about that, but it's, getting, it's weird to stay in one place for me. <laughs> nah, I get that. I get that. Um, so, I, yeah, so, so I've been here for about 10 years. Um, so at the moment, I work in communications, which is a very vague title. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my role is at a um, Christian missionary organization called the New Zealand Church Missionary Society, or mm-hmm. NZCMS for short. Uh, so I do communications for them. Um, and so that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been there for about five years. Well done. Thanks. Yeah, well, like, I was just remembering what you just said of, like, being in one place for a long period of time is, like, weird. Um, I know for myself, being in Melbourne for, like, three and a half years now that's the longest I've been in one place in the past eight years so wow that's yeah so that's like because I was only in Christchurch for a year and then into Needham for another year and it just kept on being only year stuff so I appreciate being in one place for I I think I'm starting to see the benefits of it I think I'm starting to see the benefits because you get to know obviously the city but also you have friends and it turns out a lot of other people stay in one place for a long time as well. Mm. And so you get to be friends with people um, for a long time. You don't just need to catch up with them via Facebook. So that's nice. I've had friends that I've known for, yeah, almost a decade. So that's really cool. There's not many of those at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The curse of being in nearly your thirties. That's kind of, (laughs) you're like, I think I saw this meme that was like the greatest miracle Jesus performed was having 12 friends at the age of 30. And I was like, <laughs> it hurts, but it's so true. <laughs> oh dear. That's very true. I'm 31 next, next month. In fourth, oh, October 11th. 40, uh, 31. Did I say 41? You said 31. 31. 31. Okay, good. Okay. 31. 31. This is my sleep, sleep deprivation. I didn't have good sleep last night. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's all right. So, what so i'm just going to go through the questions i sent you before what are some of your creative pursuits um so so i would say uh my creativity comes in the form of some sort of writing or speaking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i i've done a lot of um poems and spoken words Mm -hmm. um not that I would share a lot of them publicly. Um, a lot of those, a lot of those poems have come from uh, journaling, just within myself. Um, oftentimes, um, I'll just be journaling and I'll just be free writing essentially, and then a poem will come from that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah, and it's usually uh, most of them. Ninety uh, percent of them usually I just kind of keep to myself. Um, mm-hmm. Then Why every couple of years I look to. Pardon. Why do you keep it to yourself? Um, I think when I free write in journal. Um, mm-hmm. So for those who are listening or don't know, I'm a born again saved christian <laughs> and um and i i believe that that god has created relationship that's possible with me and him and so um a big part of that is having conversations with god and so when i'm journaling and writing poems or spoken words i've found a lot of the times that's when god speaks to me mm-hmm. um through those things and so yeah i think just a lot of those conversations are quite private and and mostly for myself and and isn't a a, a door or a room in my heart that I kind of let other people win. That's just with me and Jesus. That's really cool. Mm. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of, like I have a similar concept of like, there are some poems that are for public consumption that I'm able to like share with the, with people via my Instagram, but then there are other poetry that I'm like, this will never see the light of day. <laughs> um, this is between me and Jesus, and this is this is how it's always going to be. Um, but it's finding that fine line, I find, that's like, because sometimes there are things that you yourself are experiencing that would be actually helpful for another person to be privy to, I guess. And there are the moments where it's like, it, would just, it just would not be helpful for people to know what, that would be so it's always that fine line yeah like i'm i'm all for vulnerability like Mm -hmm. i i wear most of my heart on my sleeve um Mm -hmm. as you will know wilma but um but um yeah i'm all for vulnerability and transparency and and sharing something from myself that could be helpful for someone else um but yes definitely there's there's different there's different areas of of your life right that that you're like Yeah. yeah only only because i think when you share something with someone you're essentially giving that to someone. And so if that's too heavy or too complicated for someone to hold, um, I think that's important to recognize and only God can hold some things that we share with him. That is so, wow. I, Mm -hmm. dude, like my mind is just blown of what you just said of like, when you share something with someone, you're actually like giving that to them. You're like, Hey, can you hold this part of me? And it's like some people, it's not like some people's hands are clumsy it's just well i guess some although although some people's hands hands are are clumsy (laughs) this is true this is true true. it's just being strategic and learning like hey this person's hands are clumsy therefore i don't give them fragile stuff like i give them stuff that if it falls it's okay like it's it's fine but yeah man that's that's amazing like that's Mm. blown my mind um Mm -hmm. But, like, in terms of your, like, poetry and creative pursuits and free writing, how long have you been doing that? Oh, probably maybe in my – started in my early 20s, I think. Mm -hmm. In my early 20s, I really started to become a bit more, let's say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-aware. Oh, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think before then I was just, you know, typical – uh, New Zealand male just running around doing <laughs> doing my doing my thing, and then probably twenty two, twenty three, kind of realised, oh, I think there's actually a lot of stuff going on in me that I need to uh, unravel, um, and then I quickly realised I was only going to do that with 
with uh, God's help. And so, <laughs> and so journaling and uh, poem writing was a really cool, I think, active catharsis for me, actually, to mm. actually unravel what was happening. Um, and so, yeah, probably started around then. That's awesome. Um, so the title of the podcast is A Good Story Starts With. So for you, what does a good story mean to you? Mm. Um, I think a good story for me is all about um, authenticity and honesty. Mm-hmm. I think for me, whenever I think about sharing a story, um, there needs to be something in that story with, that connects with the humanity of the one listening to it mm. or reading it. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're not, and, and, and I think if you're not honest and authentic, that's just kind of not, never going to happen. So, so I think for me, a good story is when you take a piece of your humanity or who you are and you put that in the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you do that, when you put a piece of who you are into a story and you actually just have a bit deeper below the skin people respond to that um people connect with that Mm -hmm. people i think there's this sense of especially nowadays people struggle to know what is truth what is lies what's authentic what's fake um Mm. but i actually think there's actually something within people that really recognizes authenticity and honesty i think that when a good story has the flavor of authenticity um and someone's humanity I think it rings true somehow. And so mm-hmm. I, I would say that's that's the, one of the key ingredients, I think, one of the key ingredients for a good story. That's so true. Yeah. And how has, like, authenticity and honesty, like, affected your life? How do you incorporate that in, in your daily life in the way that you do life, I guess? That's oh a very gosh. Christianese term, do yeah. life. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, good question. Uh, I think... So one of my one of the things that I quickly learned about myself in my early twenties was that I'm quite a pastoral guy in the mm-hmm. sense that I really don't enjoy shallow conversations with people, and and I really want to encourage people, yeah. um, in the real gritty hard stuff or good stuff that they're going through. Mm-hmm. I want to be a source of encouragement and um, support, and so I realised that about myself pretty early on. Um, that's one of my key giftings is being encouraging. And, and so, um, I think to be able to do that, to encourage someone to, to be a person that they feel comfortable being open and honest with and authentic with, you have to be authentic. Yeah. Preach. Um, I think vulnerability encourages vulnerability. And so I think for me, um, that's why I think there's a lot of my story and who I am that I make an open book so that if I do that, Mm-hmm. that means other people will feel comfortable sharing with me and then I can encourage them and, and support them in a different mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, so, no, it's, I was just thinking about what you just said of like being an open book and having, um, just having an openness of being like, yeah, I'm free to share about everything. And, um, just being like, would you be open to like, tell us an open story about you basically Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, um, do you think you tell yourself a good story? Do you think you are authentic and honest to yourself and to God and to other people? And like maybe an example of how you've been honest and authentic to yourself and to God and to people. 
Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think um I think that one one of the stories for me is um one of the biggest stories for me that I'd share with people is growing up in a home with parents and with siblings that desired to follow God um mm-hmm. and had decided to sacrifice a lot of things for him to follow him. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and so growing up in a home where you your decisions about everything, not just religious things, but about mm-hmm. where you're going to live, um, who you're going to marry your date, uh, what what you're going to give your money and time to, like all those things. Um, I grew up in a home where those were those were given to God first and talked to God about first. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just oh we make our own decisions and then go for it. Um, and so and so that was a really um, that's quite a key story for me that I saw my parents do that and my siblings, all of my siblings. Mm-hmm. And to this day, all of them are still doing that, yeah, um, which is pretty amazing. And um, that's a massive story for me because I saw the evidence of, I saw them make those decisions and how beneficial it was for them personally, mm-hmm. um, for their personal growth, for their personal sense of belonging and value. Um, but also just how they interacted with life and other people when they surrendered to God first and followed, followed his will for their lives to the best of their ability. It wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that things always turned out well. I'm not a believer of prosperity doctrine at all, or that mm-hmm. if you follow God, he's going to, you know, <laughs> everything's going to be sunshine and roses because that's what? not the case. Um, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, but but I saw the evidence that when you follow God, God is always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a massive narrative for me growing up personally. Yeah. Um, and that really shaped how I viewed the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, my worldview is very much that, yes, I'm totally responsible for my own actions. Mm-hmm. But if I ask God to guide my actions, things will go better for me. Oh. <laughs> um, not that... I'm going to get a million dollars because God's like, Oh, I'm going to bless you now. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. really believe in that, but, mm-hmm. but things will just go better for me personally. My sense mm-hmm. of peace and, and how I interact with other people, it will just be of greater value if I do that. So that would, that's been a big story that I've grown up with. Yeah. Um, and a worldview that's really shaped. Yeah. And do you think like, that's a good story to tell yourself in terms of like how you, so far, how have you lived your life? Do you think, have you been tempted by any other worldview or like any other way of telling a good story other than, because like, I don't think my audience is going to be a hundred percent Christian. Like I think mm. we're going to have like quite a mixed bag of people because in life I have like different people from different works of life who listen, who are my friends. So I'm just kind of being like, have you always thought like God is the way and there's no other way apart from him or like, have you always has there been anything else that you've been mm. like, yeah, I could try that. But yeah. Mm. Was that clear? I felt like that. Yeah. Was clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was, that was clear. Um, I, I think I've always had a desire. Um, I've always had a belief that God is real and that he's interested in me, mm-hmm. that he actually um, likes me and wants to be involved in my life. Mm-hmm. I've had a belief that not only is God real, um, but that he's actually relational and mm-hmm. has made every 
opportunity he can to be involved uh, with me personally. Yeah. He's not distant. He's not some old guy with a beard watching from afar, just letting the crap go down. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's actually involved in the yeah. mud where I am right now. Wow. So I've always, mm-hmm. I've always kind of believed that. But, but what I would say, even though that belief has never um, been shaken, mm-hmm. certainly the the truth that God says about me, about who I am, that's been a real journey that has took a long time and still uh takes a long time so you know one of the key one of one of the biggest truths in scripture is um is found in john three sixteen that mm-hmm. god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will live and and for a long time and i'd say i'm still battling with it now i did not believe that god loved me that much mm. that, and so even though that my belief and God, the reality of God, or my desire to follow God, I would say that I probably haven't felt the need or or felt like questioning that very much. Um, mm-hmm. That's always been pretty rock solid, which is pretty amazing when I think about it. Yeah. Um, but but actually, my belief, actually believing what God says about me and what He thinks about me, that's been a real struggle. My yeah. sense of value and belonging, um, that was. That took a real beating. I was a beaten mm-hmm. up. I was I was a beaten up person in my teenage and young adult years, mm. um, in terms of sense of value and and bonding. Yeah. So, just moving on, like just piggybacking, not moving on, piggybacking on that. Like when you were a teenager, you were just beating up. How has a negative story shaped your life, and is that story sh- still shaping your life? So, how has God moved you from a place of being beaten up? to actually standing strong in who you are today mm-hmm. well um so just to give a bit of context so mm-hmm. so when i was um my parents were missionaries and pastors for 30 plus years mm-hmm. and um and when i was so they did some stuff in Papua new guinea for a long time but i was too young to remember that but when i was 13 me and my brother and one of my sisters and then mum and dad we moved to cambodia mm-hmm. um for about two years, I think it was two, two and a half years or something, which isn't that long now. But back when I was a teenager, that was massive um, and really formational. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. It was bloody awesome, man. Um, made some incredible friends. Um, my worldview was shaped by living with people with a different worldview. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I became... I didn't. I became different than a New, typical New Zealand boy, um, mm. and so when I came back from Cambodia when I was sixteen to New Zealand, um, my sense of belonging um, dropped out from under me. It like it was like someone had built this foundation of, "Hey, this is who you are. This is your place in the world." Mm. And then when I came back to New Zealand, they grabbed that foundation and just ripped it out from under my feet. And wow. I tried to connect with New Zealand teenagers. Mm. And that did not, that was a real <laughs> struggle uh, because they were very different to Cambodian teenagers yeah. and young adults who were my friends. Um, yeah. And just the way their, their focus of life, I'm not even saying that things were negative. I'm just saying it was so different. Um, yeah. The way they interacted with each other, the way they interacted with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from 16 till I would say about 20, 21. Mm-hmm. 
there was a severe lack of belonging and there was a lie that somehow snuck in that no one wanted me around. Wow. And so for years and years, I kind of talk about it as like a paranoid kind of insecurity. Uh, mm-hmm. There's probably a um, clinical psycholo- psychological term for that, but I don't know what it is. If I went to therapy at the time, I'm sure they would have found some something that I was going through. But yeah, but in almost every social environment that I was involved in, there would be a whisper in the back of my mind saying they don't want you around wow. every time you leave the room they're just kind of laughing about you or just kind of a little bit annoyed that you're bringing down the vibe. Oh, wow. And so that was a constant drone, constant drone. Um, It never really switched off unless I was was just by myself. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that was even with my family as well, like who I, who my family was so tight, Mm. but there would always be a drone in my head for those years saying, you're the odd one out and you don't belong. Wow. Yeah. And so that was a, that was definitely a bad or negative story. Yeah, um, that, um, definitely qualifies. Definitely qualifies. Yeah, and it was a story that I believed, and yeah. and it was a story that um. So so what I said before about having a desire to follow God, and mm-hmm. one of God's truths is that He loves me mm-hmm. so much that He died, mm-hmm. that, that He saw something that He needed to die for, and He's like, "Yep, I love Jairus enough. I'm going to die for that." I didn't believe. I didn't actually believe that. I would say that I did intellectually, mm-hmm. but in in my heart, um, and in that place that's deeper than intellectual, mm-hmm. I didn't. And and yeah. so my sense of value. And so for years there was a lot of anxiety, and I'll probably say depression, and just yeah, just um, yeah, a lot of wounds. I would say yeah. that I carried um, for a long time. Wow. So what happened to go from being so wounded and being like having this deep sense of like, I don't belong. Nobody really wants me here. It's just better to be by myself. Like how did you move from there um, to now? Mm. Well, I guess the better question is like, do you still, do you still feel like you don't belong that God doesn't love you? Like, and if you still feel that way, what, um, I guess strategies and techniques are you doing to mm. mitigate those feelings? Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I could answer that in two ways um, mm. because there's definitely still things that I need to be very intentional about now Yeah. Um, in order not to fall back into that space. But so the first thing, the first way I'll answer is kind of what happened. Cause there was a, there was a, let's say a tipping point. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a moment that things begin to change and I get really annoyed when I hear, stories from people that say oh life sucked and then this happened and now i'm perfect um i get really annoyed about that because that <laughs> because that's not i mean yes i believe in a supernatural powerful amazing god um but i also believe in a god of process and mm-hmm. he just doesn't do that he just mm-hmm. doesn't flip a switch and then everything's fine um i think that's a shallow understanding of what relationship with god is and so it, that, that's definitely not what happened. But mm-hmm. I, what I will say is, is there was a moment where I was walking up a mountain of pain and then there was a moment where things plateaued and then I found myself slowly beginning to walk down there and be like, oh, wow, yeah. things are actually changed. So there was a moment like that. So mm-hmm. so what happened was I think when I was 20, I started to get really frustrated that 
a lot of my spiritual understanding of God and my faith um, was intellectual. Mm-hmm. And which isn't wrong. That's not yep. bad. You need to think through things and you need to make, you just need to make a choice that's not swayed by emotion. Correct. Absolutely. You need to learn how to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in all areas of life, you need to mm-hmm. just commit. To, if you say you're going to do a job, you do a job. If you say you're going to marry a person, you stay married to that person. You know, you know. And so yep. if you say you believe in God and want to follow him, I think despite what you're feeling, you need to just decide commit. to do it. Yeah. Agreed. And so that's not wrong, but mm-hmm. but I think that what I started to get annoyed about was mm-hmm. that scripture talked over and over again about this love that surpassed all understanding. Wow. Yeah. And and this love that was not just a love that you say, Yeah, I believe God loves me, but a love that you say, I felt and know God's love. Yeah. I've experienced that. And so I realized when I was about 20 that my entire life, even though I'd grown up in a Christian home and I'd followed God and I, and I pursued him, mm-hmm. my Christian life felt like, okay, so there's an illustration that I've thought about a couple of times. It was mm-hmm. like we went to an airport to get ready to go skydiving. Mm-hmm. And we go through the skydiving training and we learn everything to know about skydiving. And then all these people in the crowd jump on the plane, go up and skydive and fall down and say how amazing the experience was. But I'm never, a, I, I've never gotten on the plane and I've never wow. gone up and I've never jumped out of the plane and experienced skydiving, but I know all about skydiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so for me, that's what the Christian life felt like. I'd learned all about God's love. I'd heard all about God's love. Mm-hmm. All these people around me had experienced God's love, but I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, when I was about 20, that really frustrated me. Yeah. And I thought, God, I know, I know you're real. And if you're real, I should be able to feel that you're real. Yeah. And, um, and I think, and so I got quite frustrated. So I began to pursue God um, and, and try to understand how to experience God's love. Unfortunately, I thought that that was up to me, mm-hmm. that that was all about my work. It was all about my effort. It was all about getting a chance to getting in a place where I was able to receive God's love, mm-hmm. climbing up a mountain high enough, um, yeah. which in my perspective was worshiping in a church service harder, mm-hmm. um, praying more, mm-hmm. um, serving more, you know, yeah. th- things like that, learning my Bible more. And I thought that eventually I'd get to a point we are get God's attention. Yeah. I would finally get God's attention and he would zap me or something in a good way. <laughs> he would zap, he would zap me. Just somewhere. lightning from heaven. Honestly. Yeah. Just anything, like anything. I was open for anything. Like, I was like, God, even if it's the smallest supernatural thing that yeah. no one else would notice, but I would, I would be yeah. happy with that because I just want to know that something's real. And, um, but, but that just was exhausting. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember being. I'm listening church. to you. I'm just checking that my camera is my microphone is still on because yeah, yeah. really important. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I um, I remember being at a church service, and so at this church service, it's a I kind of went to a Pentecostal church, and one of the traditions is that at the end of the service, they often ask people, "Hey, if you like prayer, 
come with the front and one of our pastors or leaders will pray for you. That's a common tradition for the Pentecostal church at the end of each Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so for this service, I'd go up the front for prayer and I'd done this countless times mm-hmm. because I wanted God to do something. So I'd respond to all the prayer times. <laughs> all of them. Yeah, I'd respond to all the calls to prayer, hoping that one of them would work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember though walking up the front and just saying, probably for the first time sincerely, mm-hmm. I had this conversation with God, and I think it was him almost helping me have the conversation, but yeah, probably for the first time I was like, God, I'm I'm just done treating you like a treating you like a reward for my effort, like a, wow. a paycheck for my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm done, our relationship has felt like I'm doing all this stuff so that I know I'm valued, mm-hmm. and I'm just so tired. Yeah. So no matter what, no matter what it looks like, I'm done. I'm just going to follow you. Mm-hmm. And whatever relationship looks like, that's fine. I just want you for you, whatever you can give me. I'm done trying to work for it on my own strength. I'm done trying to get your attention. I know mm-hmm. you're real. I know you're there. So I'm just going to follow you. I just yeah. I've made the decision. Um, if I don't feel anything experientially or supernaturally, okay, I'll give that up. I'll still follow you. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most sincere moments of surrender that I'd ever had. Mm-hmm. I think before then there was always, there was always a condition attached to my surrender. Yeah. There was always a condition attached to me doing something for God. There was always something, probably I wasn't even consciously aware of it, but there was always something in me saying, I love you, God. And then in my heart, now do something. You know, like there was always a condition. <laughs> yeah, nah. Um, but in I that understand. moment, I, yeah, yeah. But in that moment, I had total um, surrender. Um, I don't rem- so the tradition is in the Pentecostal of churches, you go up the front and then someone will come along and pray for you. Um, I don't remember anyone praying for me. Mm-hmm. Um, all I remember, as soon as I had that conversation, is just ending up on the ground. I was just on the ground, on my mm-hmm. knees. I don't know if you've ever cried and laughed at the same time, but I was crying and laughing at the same time. I was howling like a banshee. Oh, bless. And there was snot and tears oh. running down my heads, And I was just like, just just done, just totally done. And and the reason was is because it felt like a spring, a, a well of water, a Coke bottle with the mm-hmm. cap torn off, mm-hmm. burst from within wow. my heart, from mm-hmm. right right in the core of who I was. It burst open, which surprised me because I thought if I was to ever feel something supernatural, it would come from outside of me. Oh, yeah. Mm. Wow. God was out there mm. and he would dump me with something. Mm-hmm. But it didn't mm-hmm. because God was already in me. Wow. And finally, finally, I was in a place where he was able to let loose. Yeah. It was like I'd closed. It was like I'd put the cap on with my work and my efforts and my mm-hmm. needs to try to control it. Or with with me thinking that God's love was conditional on my work and effort. Yeah. When I got to the place where I was like, no, God. I don't, I don't think it is conditional anymore. I think you just love me because you do, and I accept it, whatever it looks like. Mm-hmm. He was finally able to come out, you know? And, and so, be like, here I am. Here, I've always been here. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 
in that moment I realized that I wasn't the one that was looking for God. Mm. Um, he was the one looking for me. And yeah. finally he was able to hear something. He was able to respond to something that I'd given him. Yeah. Um, and it was because I'd just given him myself. That's all he wanted. Yeah. And so yeah. that was the that was the changing point in that narrative. Um, it took a couple of months, I would say, three, four months. But when I look back on it now, I realized I suddenly found myself when I was in my mid, uh, when I was like, I don't know, almost 21, hmm. suddenly realized, wow, that, that thought in the back of my mind, that hmm. whisper, mm-hmm. you don't belong, no one likes you, it was gone. And mm-hmm. I realized it was because I belonged with God. I was God's wow. son and I knew it. Wow. That's amazing. I really love the fact that you are quite intentional in terms of being honest of like it it wasn't a, yep, flip the switch, now I'm okay, don't struggle with not belonging anymore, follow me because I'm Mr. Perfect, yay, which is kind of like another version of a prosperity gospel because yeah. if, like, if you follow a religion where, like, the person who founded it ended up dying on a cross what makes you think you are not going to suffer um, as well? Or like, because if you're like, oh no, my life is going to be perfect. It's amazing. Then it's like, you know, that, that discounts Jesus because brother did not have an easy peasy life dying <laughs> on a cross. Like, like, you know, that's it. Anyway, but I, I really appreciate that you were quite authentic and honest in that and being like, it's a process and that, um, when we realize that God has always been pursuing us, that we are not the main workers in our own salvation, we are the recipients and all we have to do is just live hands, heart open, hands open, ready to receive. I just think like that's really beautiful to see that story made flesh in what you just said. So thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Um, and you've already answered the next one of like, do you have any experiences of when a good story has changed that outlook on your life? Like that, that was it. That was it. Um, so we've come to the part of the interview where you get to ask me a question and um, I have to answer. Um, and it, it has to be PG related. Um, we can't have, because I don't know, I think I can change this podcast to like, with explicit but yeah. let's not <laughs> like, <laughs> but let's not let's not yeah, it's no. set to like family friendly mm, yeah. at the moment but yeah okay mm-hmm. well my question is um you are in a relationship with mr darcy correct so having been in a relationship with mr darcy for oh, why do i call him mr darcy it's because i am a fan of pride and prejudice Mm-hmm. And so it's just running in my mind every time I think about it. Mm-hmm. So your relationship with Darcy mm-hmm. and um, what has been one, not all, because there'd be too much. One of the things that you've learned about yourself while being in a relationship with Ooh. him. Um, so how long has it been now? Uh, it's nearly a year. It's like 10 sure. days out. 
because we've known each other for quite a while and yeah. we've, we've known each other we've both known each other and been in, in each other's journeys while we've dated and mm-hmm. got to know and now I'm married and you were mm-hmm. in that journey with me getting to know jazz and, yeah. and now we've got kind of like and, and then you met Darcy after a wee while of trying to yeah. you know meet someone so I'm just yeah what have you learned now that you've been in a relationship for a while <sighs> yeah such a good question um being with Darcy has made me realized huh I need to think about this so I'm gonna think out loud about this <laughs> mm, I guess it's made me realize just how like high strung <laughs> I actually am <laughs> like there's I'm not even joking it's like there is a certain level of like when I'm with him, I automatically relax. Like I notice that I'm more relaxed, that I'm like, huh, like there's just, yeah. Like, and it's not until I'm with him that I realize like, oh, I was actually quite, I was actually quite stressed. I was actually quite tense um, before. And when I'm with him, it's like, huh, I'm like home. I'm like safe. So that's one thing that I've been like, oh, okay. Like I knew I was high strung, but I didn't not realize just how high strung I was. So just kind of learning how to capture that essence of like, okay, what is it about Darcy that makes me feel at home, that makes me feel safe, that makes me feel more relaxed, and then implement that throughout my entire life. Um not, not like he doesn't enjoy being like a safe space for me. Sure. Like he's he, he's fine with that, but it's like oh, like I can I can make this in my whole life. So that's that's the one thing I've learned about being with Darcy. He wow. dislikes Pride and Prejudice, by the way. <laughs> I bet he does. I bet he does. I, uh, I, I really need to make sure I don't mention that at all. Uh, no, you can't mention it. <laughs> you, you, you can't mention it. Um, it's just. It was about six months that we, when we started dating, that I brought up the Pride and Prejudice thing, and he was like, "I didn't start reading it until an ex-girlfriend told me that it was her favorite book." And then I read it, and I was like, "Jane Austen and me are not a vibe." <laughs> <laughs> hey, he he knows he knows who he is. He knows who he is. Anyone who likes, so, exactly, know. exactly. You never fault him for that. But yeah, he's great. Um, really hopefully, with COVID and vaccines, we all sort ourselves out, and we're able to like come and visit you guys in New Zealand. But yeah, it's um, it's a thing at the moment. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But no, yeah. but yeah. hopefully one day, one day, fifty thousand years later, on this, on this, <laughs> one day on this side of eternity. <laughs> We'll see how we, we'll see how we cope with it. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But thank you so much, Jai, for agreeing to this and for telling your story um, and for showing everyone the importance of authenticity and honesty. I think that's wonderful. Um, any final words you want to tell the audience? Um. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- I think that I think the only thing that I would say is. Um, is for anyone listening, um, mm. whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, whether you're 
um, believe in another religion, Muslim, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, whatever you are, or whether you're um, completely atheist, you're not keen. Um, I think the only thing that I'd say is God is God is looking for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is looking for you. You're not looking for Him. And I come really. I've become really convinced of that. And so mm-hmm. I've said this to a couple of people, mm-hmm. friends um, who don't have faith, and I've just said, look, why don't you just give it a week? Give it one week. And say, God, if you're real and you're looking for me, then I'd like you to show me, and mm-hmm. I'd like you to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, give it, give it one week and see, and see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. Be willing for something to happen if it does, because I've yeah. said this to a couple of people who are not only atheists but totally aggressive towards Christianity yeah. <laughs> and towards God. And I've told them challenges with this, and within two weeks they were Christians because stuff happened. Wow. Um, so be willing for things to happen. But, yeah, for all of you who are just like, eh, don't care, or not interested or not keen, or are searching, mm-hmm. um, I'll just say God's looking for you. So if he is and if he's real, give him the opportunity. Give him one week to sit to, to show up. So, um, yeah, that's probably the only thing I'd say. Um, if Yeah, if I'm... If I'm not just talking a whole pile of BS and God actually loves me like his son and he loves all of us like his children. Yeah. Um, if you gave him a week, I'm convinced that he would show you that he's there. Wow. What a fantastic place to end. Thanks so much, Di. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That is okay. Okay.